0: Robert, I believe Abraham could have prayed that prayer and maybe did. And maybe not in those exact words, but in lots of those words, I would suppose that Abraham prayed that prayer. Lord, guide me. Think about this man, this ancient figure who 4,000 years ago felt the call of God on his life. And without the prophets or the law... Or all of the sacrificial system or the priesthood, without Christ yet to come, and the apostles and the letters, without all these things, he was drawn to God and he was learning who God is. He was on this journey of discovery. And do you know, today, we come to a critical point in Abraham's life and faith. Because Abraham is struggling with something that sometimes troubles you. And he is doing so without all the context that you have about the nature and work of God through Christ. Without the scriptural text that you hold in your hand, he is struggling with the question... Is God just? Does justice rule in this universe? And it's in Genesis 18. In the passage which follows the one we looked at last week. About laughter. We talked about laughter last week. Well... Now these men are about to depart. These angels, we believe they are probably angels. And so we think maybe from Hebrews, where the writer says some have entertained angels unawares. Maybe these fellows were angels, entertained unawares by Abraham. And verse 16 of chapter 18 of the book of Genesis says, When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. It's a beautiful picture of Abraham and his hospitality. And now, listen. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me, if not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? The Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, What if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? You got to do the math now, all right? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40... 10 can be found he answered for the sake of 10 I will not destroy it when the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham he left and Abraham returned home the angel is burdened with a secret he wants to share with the man of faith he has not told him through all this long afternoon what he is about to do he has sat at the table consumed a fine meal and dialogued with Abraham have you ever been in such a place weighted down with the truth upon your heart that you want to speak and you're about to leave and go on your way and suddenly you think I've got to tell him and so he stops and turns and he thinks in his heart I know Abraham. He's going direct, to direct his children and his household after him to follow the way of the Lord and do what is right and just. And I want us just to stop for a minute and respect a man who directs others to do what is right And just. The angel hesitates to walk away from this encounter without full disclosure because not only is this man himself a believer, not only does he have the righteousness of God upon his life because he is a man of faith, but he helps others find that way too. He directs others to what is right and just. Here is a goal for every person in the room. Here's a life principle to take away with you. Whoever is under your care, whatever influence you may have, where your authority prevails whether they be in your household or under your authority in business, whatever it may be, to direct them in the way of the Lord toward what is right and just. Abraham is distinguished both by his faith and by his behavior. I have been contemplating how serious a sin it is for an individual to get between another man and his God, to become a stumbling block for a little one. Jesus once said it would be better for you if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were cast into the sea. That would be better for you than that you should offend one of these little ones. I think it would honor God for everybody in the room who knows Jesus is Lord to leave these doors today saying, God help me. Where I live, where I work, where I teach in my home, to not only do what is right, but help others do it too. And never encourage what I know in my heart is wrong, especially with the children and the young people. Help me be honest and teach them to do the same and never lead them into deceit. The angel stops. And says, I know this about Abraham. And I'm going to tell him. And so he turns to Abraham and he says to them, The outcry in verse 20 against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great. There was an outcry. God hears a cry it is coming from a community there is a community of people on the face of the earth who are crying out and god hears them and i don't think these people are crying out saying god destroy this city it is not a cry destruction. What comes to the ears and the heart of God is a cry of hopelessness and despair. It is the widow crying in sorrow for her murdered husband. It is the parent crying in sorrow for their abused child. It is the victim of robbery and rape and their cry is coming up to God. Because there is carnage and murder and stealing and lying and adultery and fornication and every kind of sin going on in this city. And people are being hurt on every side. And these wounded, injured people are crying out to God and saying, Oh, Lord, bring your hope. A just God hears such a cry. Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 18. He calls a man an unjust judge. I want you to read this story later. Luke 18 verses 1 through 8. The judge is unjust because he does not fear God and he does not honor men. He has no reverence for God nor reverence for men. That's why he's unjust. Now here's how you can tell an unjust judge. You may not be able to tell that he has no fear of God and has no honor or respect for other humans. But you can tell that he's unjust because he will not listen to the cry. He will not hear the cry. He doesn't care about the cry. Here is a widow who has been wronged and all she wants to do is legitimately seek justice and solace and shelter in the court of her land. But the judge is ungodly and unjust. He cares not for men. Why? Because he will not hear this widow. I had a woman this very week sit at a table and tell me of a high political figure in this community who told her when she went to him. It's all a game, don't you know? It's all a game. I give a little bit here so that this guy over here will give a little bit here. This cynicism. In any judiciary or legislative body is the denial of the rule of law and despising the human beings under your authority. We do not play games in our courts. We're not playing games in our legislature. We are dealing with the lives of human beings and some of them cannot come to the courthouse and lift their voice. They are children, they are hungry, they are poor, they are widows. And God will judge a community by how it treats the least of these. I know God well enough to know that. I remember Proverbs 31, where King Lemuel gives us the counsel of his mother. And the king's mother says to him, Now, Lemuel, you're going to be a king. Other men may be able to drink the wine and chase the skirts, but not you. You're a king, Lemuel. And that means that you've got to listen to the people in your care. You must be sober when you sit at the bench. You must hear the cry of the poor in your realm. Some people think they will advance in the community so that one day they can do whatever they want to. If they want to get drunk every day, they can do it. They finally got high enough where they can do whatever they want to and no man can tell them what to do. When they're finally king, oh, the feast they'll throw and the fun they'll have and they won't worry about a thing once they're the king. Do you know how backward, inside-out, and ungodly that notion is? The more authority you garner to yourself, the more sobering responsibility you have to do what is right and just. The greater the realm of your influence, the more powerful the need for you to hear the cry of the oppressed. To see the need of the widow who cannot help herself and looks to you. And here is a community in Sodom that has so despised the child and the widow And the woman. And the injured. And the sick. That when these poor trembling people pray. They lift up their cry unto God. And God comes down to see. If the condition of this city. Is as bad as the outcry. He has heard. Understand the heart of God God loves people and the least of these and the poorest of these and the weakest of these come in for his special attention and to violate them and hurt them and injure them and steal from them is to go in the face of a just and righteous God. This is God's heart. We're learning about God in this dialogue that Abraham has. And you can count on this. God will do what is right. You can count on it. God will do what is right. There are people sitting here in the pews today who have thought to themselves, if I were God, I would not let this happen. And you have cast a doubt on the fairness and justice and judgment of God. And perhaps you have even thought that you sit in a higher place of justice and fairness than the Lord of all the earth. And if you were in charge, things would be different than they are now. I want to guarantee you something. Okay? This is a rock-solid assurance that you can take to the bank. On the last day, when all the scales are balanced and the sheep and goats are separated and human history finally comes to an end, every judgment God gives you will say yes Lord you don't have to worry about whether God's going to do right shall not the judge of all the earth do right the answer to that is yes Yes, yes, yes. He will do right toward every breathing human being who ever walked on this planet. He will do right to your loved ones and the sick and the ill and every other person you think has faced injustice on this planet. He will do right by all. The judge will do what is right. I can say this with confidence because... Every meager concept of justice that I hold in my head and heart is predicated upon the complete justice and wisdom of God. I struggle with how justice goes with mercy, how judgment goes with love, Sometimes I'm torn between the two and I don't know what is right or best sometimes with my children. I thought, I want to beat that boy to death. Have you ever thought, I just... Let me at him. Because he needs it. This is wicked, this thing he's done. And sometimes... I don't know how to love and be just. And it pulls at me. Sometimes as an employer, that happens to me. And I want to love, but how do you do justice and love at the same time? And here's the point. In the character and judgment of God, justice and love are perfectly, eternally, Balanced. You can't even conceive it. From your pet perspective, you cannot know it. You can't work it out in an essay. You can't figure it out in your logic. You wonder how it can be, and yet it is so. God is full of justice, and he is love. And the two are perfectly Harmonized in Him. Count on it. He will do what is right. You can be comforted with that. You can also be disturbed with that, all right? It's okay with me if you're disturbed with the justice of God. In fact, when you hear about the justice of God and what happened to Sodom, it's okay with me. If your skin tingles and your heart thumps and you wonder, is God going to get me? There ought to be in your spiritual character such a hallowed reverence for the awesome God that when you imagine standing before the bench, there's a tremble that goes through you. I've wondered about the homicide rate in our city and I've thought to myself and I've begged God to show me, God, what is going on here? How can we have this kind of slaughter? How can the blood run this deep in the streets of my community? How does this happen? And I think it comes back to this. No fear of God. No reverence for man. No fear of God, no reverence for man. No honor for my own life, let alone in others. No sense of accountability to the judge of all the earth. It is important for you to know that God will do what is right and you can count on it. The scripture says the wages of sin is death you can just count on it you can count on it every day that's what sin earns is death you've already experienced that truth in different ways in your life some precious things have died which you held dear why because you sinned you broke the law you did not fear God. You did not enter man. And something happened. And maybe you, it's gone forever. What you lost. Even now. Walking around on the planet. We slash and burn. And injure and wound our lives through sin. The Bible rightly describes us. Before we come to Christ for forgiveness and new life the bible rightly describes us as dead dead how in trespasses and sin count on it god does what is right shall not the judge of all the earth do right yes he will Can I fathom that mystery today? Knowing that the righteous and the wicked in all probability washed out into the ocean with the tsunami in Japan. I cannot. I cannot give you an answer for why disaster comes and people die by the hundreds and perhaps even thousands, irrespective of their faith or religion. I cannot unravel that mystery for you, but I can confess this. The judge of all, all the earth does right. I can tell you that sometimes the righteous suffer with the wicked. And that's probably happened to you in your life, and you've probably seen it. And this wonderful and terrible gift of freedom the right and responsibility to choose, the path you will take, the things you will do and say. Sometimes its consequence is that you injure yourself and injure others. And I know that happens. But I want to give you a comfort from the Word of God about the judge of all the earth. When you stand before Him on Judgment Day and you lift your eyes up to see who He is, you're going to see Jesus. God is a Spirit, Jesus is His incarnate Son. I believe Jesus is going to be on the throne. Jesus himself said, All authority has been committed to me. In heaven and in earth. All judgment has been committed to me. I think you're going to see Jesus when you look up on the throne. He is the judge. Let me tell you something about the judge. If you look close, you'll see some scars. In either hand. The judge of all the earth, he's got some scars in his hand. When John saw him, he said he was standing like a lamb that was wounded. And the wounds are the signs of injustice that the Son of God himself experienced when he came to the planet as man. And the scripture says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. This is the judge. There couldn't be better news for a struggling, weary sinner to show up before the throne knowing who you are and knowing what you've done and all the failures of your life and all the times you disappointed not only your mother and dad and wife or husband, but you disappointed yourself. And to finally get to the judgment hall and find out it's Jesus sitting on the throne, the one who died for you. He gave his life for you. He's the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the earth for sinners who cannot pay the penalty for their own sin. And see so he... He who is white and blameless and without blemish died there to pay the price. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. All we like sheep have gone astray, the prophet said. We turned everyone to his own way and the Lord laid on him. The iniquity of us all. I told you that love and justice somehow combine perfectly in the character of God. And so it is we see Jesus in the throne, passing judgment. This is how he depicts the last day, the final judgment. It is the Son of Man standing in his glory, separating the sheep from the goats. How can he do that? What wisdom does he have? He is a complete embodiment of love and justice. And he knows our frailty. He knows we are just people who can't follow A to B. He understands we are dust and we have feet of clay. And how are we ever to be in his presence in the condition we're in? And so he paid it all. The whole debt we owe. Paid by Christ. When he died on the cross. He didn't have to talk. They said to him, Aren't you going to talk? Defend yourself? Don't you know the authority we have? The unjust judges flaunted their authority that day. He's not only the king of the Jews, he sits on the throne of the universe. And the most important answer you will ever give is your answer to him. You as a sinner in need of forgiveness have a way brought to you this morning for you to be clean. It is the way of the cross. It is grace. God planted a seed of faith in your heart. You need to awaken it now. Let him bring it forth. The faith to trust the one who brought you into being. And then sent his one and only son to pay the penalty for your sin. You need to trust him now. The most important answer you will ever give is what shall we do with Jesus who is called the Christ. What are you going to do with him? I challenge you. Come to the Christ. Come just like you are with all the flaws you know and those you don't. Don't worry about going, cleaning up some way. You come to the Christ who loves you and he will make the change. Let's bow together. If you never trusted Christ as Savior, this is a moment to give your answer to Him. What will you do with Jesus? I want you in my life, Christ. Pray it to Him. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need forgiveness. Come into my heart. Ask Christ to save Savior. Call out to Him. He is the answer for your need. As many as receive Him, to them He gives the power to become the sons of God. Lord, we pray today that we will internalize the message, that we will make it our own, that Christ is the way of salvation and there is no other, that every person in this room will find in Christ the sanctuary and safety he needs for the day of answer to come. Lord, we pray that you would move our hearts toward you, And God, that you might do your work in us, whoever we are, to make us just and true and right and to reflect your character in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.